When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, my name is Christopher Price, the Boston Globe. Welcome back to another edition of the Patriots Report here on the Believe Network. We're going to have co-host LeGarrette Blunt join me in one second. But first, I want to let you guys know this week's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information for live in game betting props and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAVE50, that's B L E A V 5 0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. The blunt straight ahead, and he crosses the plane for the touchdown. Here's Blunt taking off for the end zone, and he's in for the second time today. Second and five. No use making any changes. Give it to Blunt. Now it's a foot race. Blunt all the way. Touchdown, Patriots. Blunt still going down the sideline. A dive for the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots. LG, how you doing today, man? I'm good, man. I can't complain. Can't complain at all. How about yourself, my guy? Not bad. I love the shirt. What is that? that that's a 2014 vintage, isn't it? Yeah. You see Revis Island, Vince Woolfort, you know, got my dog Jules on there, Dev. I still, to this day, I don't know why they got Dev looking like that, because Dev a little bit uglier than that. <laughs> we got V, Grump, Nick, yeah, Jules. They should have put the tobacco pouch in Jules' mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get get I wanted to get your take on a couple different things this week. First of all, this is a very big week in the National Football League. Every every week is a big week in the National Football Huge. League. Let's face it. But first of all, teams have to make their roster adjustments before week one. We all know the stories about guys getting released. We see it on hard knocks all the time. And I feel like that's the really the popular narrative that people have come to understand what it's like getting cut in the National Football League. From your perspective, from a player's perspective, what's it like getting released, especially at this time of year? It's only happened to me one time with the Tennessee Titans is when I first got in the league. And I've, I've told this, I take pride in this story because I've, I've told it a few times and, and Jeff, Jeff uh, kind of, uh, uh, Coach Fisher kind of seconded, you know what I'm saying? So made it all the way to the last round of cuts. You know, I was told I was going to make the 53 man. And then with injuries and things like that, that happened, they ended up having to call up a special teams guy. And I was, you know, last man, last man on, you know, last man on, first one out. 
So I ended up getting the, you know, getting the cut. And uh, Jeff Fish, I'll never forget this. He said, um, he said, we're gonna, we're gonna let you go. You can go home for a day or so. We're gonna bring you back. He was like, uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully we can we can get you back. Da da da. He's like, we tried our best to hide you this preseason because we know what you can do. And um, he cut me, and I want to say probably a few hours later, the bug, whenever it did show up that they they released me, the Buccaneers called, claimed me off of waivers. He called me in the office and he said, um, he said, yeah, man, I think I made a huge mistake. You know, <laughs> I, I I can't, you know, I can't believe we lost you this way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't believe we lost you this way. We know how good of a football player you are. We know how, you know, how, how well that you play the game, how, you know, how good of a person you are. We're happy that we've gotten to know you, but uh, the Buccaneers have claimed you off of waivers and we sadly have to send you on your way uh, to Tampa, but, He's like, man, this is, I feel like this is going to be probably one of my biggest mistakes I've made, you know, as far as keeping and in, in, in keeping and cutting guys. I think this is probably going to be a huge mistake. And ever since then, every time I played him when he was coaching the Rams, any other team, he always revert back to that story. Like, bro, it, probably was, it was a huge mistake for me to cut you, da 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 So um, it's, it's an emotional roller coaster. So I didn't have the Grim Reaper guy come to me. Like, I didn't have the cut guy come to me, hey, look here, bring your iPad, come talk to Jeff. Jeff called me personally and was like, hey, come up to the office. I want to highlight you. And that's how that was my that was my experience of ever of ever being cut. Um, besides the the Pittsburgh Steelers incident, mm-hmm. um, which in which I already kind of figured I wanted to be out of that situation and how it opened, how it transpired, you know, gave, you know, I wouldn't say the opportunity, but like the opportunity for both of us to part ways mutually. So, and again, that wasn't even with a it wasn't even the guy that came up to me that way. You know, Mike Tomlin called me and was like, hey, come up, let me holler at you. So I haven't really experienced it, but I have been there when it's happened. I've seen it. It is, uh, it's dead silence in the locker room. You have everybody staring at this person. And especially if it's someone that you have grown close to over the course of camp and over the course of OTAs and stuff like that. It obviously hits a hits a spot in your heart, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I've seen it. It ain't. It, it's, it's never the best. I always wanted to have. I always rather it happen when we're on an off day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where they can call guys up to the facility and stuff instead of doing it in front of everyone, because everybody in that locker room has pride, you know. And it's a little bit awkward, and you know, I'm pretty sure it's embarrassing for some. Um, for that to happen when, after you made it so far to like the last person to be cut and stuff, you know, you got to go out there and practice the day of and everything. Like, ah, I need my restitution like Shannon Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 the flip side is, and I've known guys who've gone through this in New England who believe that they've made made it through to the final cuts, and then another player becomes available mm-hmm. across at a, at a position of need. And they end up getting cut before week one. I imagine that's also, I know you didn't go through this, but I imagine that can be a little bit awkward as well. Yes, yes, 100%. The cuts at any point in time, especially the ones that happen during the season where, you know, these guys will get cut, you know, on Monday and then we'll see them again on Thursday, you know, and they'll get cut on Friday. We'll see them on on on, on Monday at, or, you know, Wednesday at work or whatever. So that's always kind of weird to me. Again, I haven't been able to go through that. That's always been kind of weird to me. But, you know, again, like you said, just getting to the last row or the last segment of cuts or the last, you know, and 
You're thinking you're safe, you know, and you feel like you've done everything. Like the year that Aaron Dobson got, the last year that Aaron Dobson was in New England and he got cut, this is me personally. Mm-hmm. He was as healthy as ever. He had went through the entire camp without missing any days. And he probably was one of the better looking receivers that we had that year. But I mean, obviously with him getting hurt in the previous years, you know, that weighs a toll in the decision-making process. Should I keep Aaron Dobson or should I keep the the second round pick Aaron Dobson or should I keep the free agent Kimbrell Tompkins? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the availability thing, you know, and I just think that, uh, you know, those things play a factor, a huge factor in it. Like I said, you, you could have had the best camp that you could have possibly had, but you just get the short end of the stick because you might be the back end man on the roster, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I know you were never released by the Patriots, but what do you know about the process? I know the story that I was told was that guys, when they show up at the facility, Burge, Bill's assistant, sees them come in, he's at the front door, and he sees them come in and says, you know, Bill needs to see and bring your iPad. Oh, so <laughs> Bears be standing in the front. No, he does. He yeah. does. And, but, and you, but, should, you should. we should also explain to people the player's entrance at Gillette Stadium, his office is right there. Bill's office is right there. Yeah, and so he so sees everything that's coming and going. Right. And, um, and, and yeah, I, yes, that, that happens. But at the same time, there's a guy, and it's not Bears all the time. It's a guy that comes in and out of the locker room, um, you know, throughout the day or, you know, maybe whenever we got to, you know, it's, it's a wave of cuts. You got to cut it down to this many, then cut it down to this many, then cut it down to this many, you know. And the guys that don't get caught at the front door or the guys that might come in at 6 o'clock and, you know, Bears isn't there yet or 5.30 or whatever, those guys usually get it, you know, after they go work out, after practice and, those such things. But I mean, excuse me, I'm gonna just say this. It is never a comfortable situation. Like it is very, very uncomfortable, like to witness and like see your homie leaving and be like, dang, bro. Like I wanna dap him up and be like, damn, bro, I'm gonna holler at you. But at the same time, he probably don't wanna hear that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He probably like, bro. I'm gonna hit you whenever I hit you, bro. I'm I'm, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. you know, people are different. So, you know, I, that's that's me personally. I, I think that uh, I do think there's a better way to do it, man. I think you just gotta call guys, man. Maybe you gotta get on the phone and you know, maybe shoot a, you know, shoot a text. Hey, come up to Bill's office instead of going straight to the, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But everyone knows whenever it happens, it's you immediately know. Is the only comparison for everyone else getting fired? Um. So there's a difference between, um, I guess, being fired and being on, I guess, quote-unquote, sick leave. Mm -hmm. So for the guys that get cut every week and come back every week, you know, that's that's their their sick, you know, that's their Mm -hmm. cut, you know, because technically they are getting cut, but they're getting brought back three or four days later, you know, so – those guys, that's more like a leave of absence or, you know, a, a, a take a couple sick days mm-hmm. type thing. Whereas in the guys in, in training camp, you know, a lot of those guys probably won't come back. You mm-hmm. know, they'll probably get picked up by other teams. So they probably have to, you know, figure it out, you know, a different way to, you know, do what they do. But 
you know, that's that's how you can really compare it to. You can't say that inspired because you can get called back mm-hmm. in three days and be like, hey, bro, the roster got a spot open, yada, yada, yada. Whereas in a normal job, you know, if they fire you, they probably not going to call you again. <laughs> that's, that's true. They, they, we, we in the media used to call guys who would be released and then brought back. Oh, they just had a case of the Foxborough flu. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that one. Yeah, the Foxborough flu, or in, in the case of guys, and you bring up an excellent point, in the case of guys like Ray Ventrone, cut, return, right. cut, return, cut. And, and they understand that that's just part of life in the NFL for, you know, for them. That, you know, that's yeah, just what it's going to be. like that too, man. Tycorn Underwood. And yep. So he was my roommate in Tampa. Uh, my, first, my, my last year in Tampa when, um, when um, that other guy was the head coach. I shall not name um, but he was the head coach and um, Taquan Underwood was my roommate, man. And I remember him telling me that story about getting cut before the Super Bowl. I remember him telling me that. And that was yep. an extremely weird story, to say the least. Like, <laughs> can, you, can you share any share any share some details? I, I know it's his story. Well, I, I, mean, I, I know that they called him too much. But yeah, so. I know that they, I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people know these things, but I know you know that they called him at like a few hours before the game started. Mm-hmm. Um, the night before, I think they told him that he was going to play. Uh, <laughs> um, and let me see, what else can I say without like spilling the, so I don't know if he really cares if I spill the beans or not. Um, he said personally, him to him, he at first, it was kind of heartbreaking because he didn't know, all right, bro, am I going to get a ring? Am I if they win? Or, duh. You know, so it was kind of because they didn't explain it to him. You know, we had we have to uh, that we have to cut. We have to let you go for, you know, some odd reason. We got to get this guy up here so that he can play. He's going to obviously play more than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was confusing. And it was a, it happened so fast for him. And he said that, um, you know, he, he was just wondering, like, dang, bro, am I going to get a ring or am I going to? You know, am I going to be able to, what's going, you know, what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And, you know, after the game and stuff was over, uh, I want to say like a day or two later or whatever, and gave him a call um, and told him, you know, hey, man, you know, it, it's just a numbers thing. Like, there's no hard feelings. Like, you got to understand that. This is what, you know. And I don't think there's anything like that has ever happened before or after. So it was weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys get cut all the time during the week. Guys get, you know what I'm saying, brought back up, you know, so – getting cut, you know, a few hours before the Super Bowl, like you're getting prepared to play it, that is unheard of. You know, so uh, after that, you know, we kind of bonded and was and was tight. He kind of gave me a little bit more detail about it. And uh, ever since then, every time I see him, the first thing he say, what's good, roommate? <laughs> good, all. That's my, that's my guy, man. That's my man right there, top corner. He, he has the craziest cut experience I've ever heard. That's, that is, he, he's also too, been, he was one of those great guys, Cut, brought back, cut, brought back. He yeah. was great with us in the media. He was always talk, good or bad, win or lose, right. whatever the case may be. But I love the fact that you guys were able to stay connected after all these years. And and he, for me, is one of those guys, too. He's come back to camp a couple of times. Yeah. He hangs out with the McCordys. Obviously a really popular guy who ended the up. Rutgers guys, man. They stick together. Exactly. Even though, Rutgers, even though Rutgers is trash. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them to come over there and play against us Ducks. We don't belong in the Pac-12. We belong in, in one of them power, in one of them powerhouse teams, and SEC or ACC or something like that. We got to jump out. I figure it's only a matter of time before Oregon joins the Big Ten, yeah, along with everybody else. So you're going to get your chance to go up against Rutgers probably sooner rather than later. Be ready for that. Make sure they come out to that. 
<laughs> I want to switch gears a little bit here because we're we again on the on the cusp of another season. I want to look at a few other league-wide stories. Specifically, I want to profile kind of the AFC East a little bit and take a look at these teams, how they stack up against the Patriots. I also want to ask you kind of a few questions about the Patriots and specifically how they relate to the rest of the division. First of all, let me start with a team that I think everyone agrees is at the very least the division favorite in the Buffalo Bills. Is there any way in your experience Buffalo doesn't at least win the division and they're on the short list, I'll say this, of Super Bowl contenders, at least at this point? I'm going to just say this. I feel like personally you can never say that they are a for sure and win for the division because New England has dominated it for so long. Mm-hmm. for so long. Even pre-Tom era, they dominated. But I know the Bills had never had a Josh Allen. They hadn't had a Stephon Diggs. They hadn't had – they still don't have a back. They still don't have a solid back. And I think that's – I think that's – I think that's pretty key because you can't have Josh Allen having, you know, freaking uh, 200 carries a season, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, uh, 10 carries a game like you can't live and die by that because he's not going to make it so one thing New England is always going to have is a good run game last year we ran them up out the stadium the first game you know second game not so much playoffs not so much but still though you know we got we we're going to we're going to run the football we're going to be physical we're going to be hard nosed and um I just don't say you can ever count New England out of being that uh that AFC East champion like you just can't count them out they're gonna always be there regardless even though I know the Jets have made some some really good moves and they've made some really good additions um offensively and defensively I just don't think they will will have enough quite quite enough to be, be able to compete with the Bills the Patriots and the Dolphins you, know, you so just need you need someone to take the heat off of Josh Allen a little bit. They're going to be big games where he's going to run the ball 10 or 15 times. They're going to be games where he's going to drop back 40 or 50 times, but they need to, they need to be multiple enough to be able to survive in different conditions. I think they're a great team. And again, I think they're on that short list, man. I think they're it, it's right. them in four or five other teams who have a legitimate shot at winning the Super Bowl this year. But I feel like they're still a little bit short. There's still a few missing pieces. They need to. Yeah. I, I always think of the when when Rodney was added to the Patriots in 2003, he was the final piece. He was the missing yeah. piece. He yeah. was the veteran. They need one of those guys to be able to mature that locker room just enough to put him over the top. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a, and I'm a, I'm gonna go as far as saying this: if they wouldn't have, if they had been smart about it, they they would have wouldn't have got a, a guy like Le'Veon. That's a veteran. That's a, that's always been a really really good back before New York. All around, he can block, he can catch, he can run. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that once you implement the offense to him. He's one of those guys where, okay, I don't got to worry about the running back doing anything wrong, or I don't have to worry about the running back position screwing up or messing up because I got somebody there that I know I can trust, you know. Um, but they, I mean, you know, they stuck with Devin Singletary, which I think is a, you know, more power to them. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a all right back. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not any back that's going to be starting in the NFL is a good enough back to be in the NFL. I'm going to say that, you know what I'm saying? So he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a decent back, but, um, 
Le'Veon would be in a huge upgrade to that position for them if they were to ever consider making it so that they're not so one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. What you've seen from the Patriots this preseason, do you feel better, worse, or about the same since camp began? Uh, my, my feelings are mixed because in the beginning of camp, it didn't look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't running the ball consistently. Like we, it just, the run game didn't look that well, but over the course of time, I've started feeling better about it because I mean, I think, I, I think that when you implement a new system, you have to give it time. You have to give it time. So everybody's learning new things. You know, this, this zone, this zone running scheme is different from the pin pool and the, the downhill, you know, power type scheme that new England is used to running. You know, these guys have to be, like Oregon Duck linemen, you know, they got to be able to run. They got to be able to move. They got to be able to get upfield. Um, they got to be pretty athletic, you know, considering the fact that they lost Shaq. You know, um, they lost, uh, I forget the other guy's name. They've had they've had a lot of turnover there. And and honestly, a lot of that, in my mind, goes back to Dante Skarnecchia. Yeah, man. They love Dante, but they love Skarn. Yeah. All, all the linemen that go there love Skarn because he's that good of a coach. I ain't gonna say he's a people person, cause man, but he he, he can be funny at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, Scar walk around there, man. He, you know, five foot, nothing, you know, weighing about hundred and ten pounds, soaking wet, you know, and and he go out there and he'll get in the pool and he'll swim. He'll he'll get in the little pool that pushes back mm-hmm. and he'll swim a mile, you know. He'll get out and you know, little Scar just walk around. He bow legged. You know, a little scar just walk around. So, but he has probably some of the. He's probably one of the most respected coaches in the building. You know, so he knows his stuff. You know, and, and he knows how to get the line and, and stuff ready for you know for game time. So, obviously, scar not being there is a is a is a huge blow. The conspiracy theory is that he has, and you know, when I say he, I mean Bill has scar and Coach Fears on a bit of a retainer where he can still kind of call him in and say, look, can you take a look at this for me? Can you help me out with this? Can you give me a hand with this? Because look, I mean, they did it with Scar once they brought him back. And so the idea of having him, you know, return on a semi-regular basis, I would think would make a lot of sense. It would make a lot of sense, but um, unless they made that deal before the retirements, we would have to see how receptive they are to that. But one thing that I do notice is Ivan is going to camp still. Mm-hmm. Ivan is still going to camp. He's still sitting with the running backs. I'm pretty sure I'm, I don't know what goes on after he, after camp is over, but I'm, I'm willing to bet a lot of money that he goes into the building and he sits in the meeting rooms with the backs. He probably don't sit in the offense meeting room, but when it comes to the running back meetings, I'm pretty sure he sits in there. I'm pretty sure he knows the new offense. Like I'm pretty sure he knows everything, you know, just in case, you know, shoot. Damian might have to call him, you know, one of those guys might have to call him and, you know, probably not feel comfortable with, you know, I guess Joe Judge being the running back coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't well, know how much Joe Judge knows about playing running back, but, you know. But the, the, the idea of being able to lean on someone like Ivan or the offensive line being able to lean yeah. on someone like Dante, I think there's a lot of benefit there when it comes to the very least some institutional knowledge and some shorthand you know, from a coaching perspective with Bill. Yeah, huge. Because, again, if you, if you got those guys and, you know, if, if the relationship is still close enough to where, hey, fellas, I'm going to send you this, take a look at it, or can you come up here and take a look at it? If that's, that'll help them a, a tremendous, like a tremendous amount, because just having Bill 
or just having Scar and Ivan just be around their respective groups brings a different energy. Just Ivan being around, I'm sure when he comes around there, you know, you probably see the guy's eyes light up like, oh, snap, what's up, Ivan? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's one of those things, you know, and then once Ivan started coming in there and talking and saying something, they're going to be locked in, you know? Whatever he's saying, they're going to be locked in, you know? And um, the same goes for the offensive line, man. They um, they love and respect Scar so much that if Bill was to ever be like, hey, Scar, can you come check this out? You know what I'm saying? If they see him, they probably going to go crazy. Oh, snap, Scar, what's up? So having those guys around and having them close, like it ain't like they retired and freaking moved to Florida and, you know, this, but they stayed put, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because they know if, you know, if need be, you know, Bill, Bill going to make, you know, he'll make that call and they won't be far away. I want to ask the Dolphins fan this question. Have the Dolphins done enough to surpass New England in the AFC East? They've took some tremendous strides. They have. The, the addition of Tyreek, along with Jalen Waddle, um, two is going to be really good this year. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I just I really feel in my heart that two is going to be really good this year. He's a winner. He's a winner. That's just point blank. He's a winner. That's just like Burrow is a winner. You know, Lamar Jackson, a winner. You know what I'm saying? Now, just because these guys haven't won Super Bowls don't mean that they're not winners. You know, they coming from like winning programs. They were winning in high school. They're winning in college. So these guys are winners. So eventually the page is going to turn for Tua. You know, um, again, with that back situation, I don't think it's respected enough. I think a lot of teams just feel like if we get some really fast and really good receivers, maybe we don't need the back as much if we got a dual threat quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Whereas then if you were not a dual threat quarterback, you're going to need your Aaron Joneses, your Austin Ecklers, your Alvin Kamara's. You know, you're going to need those guys. But, you know, being dual threat quarterbacks, you know, they don't need, you know, Burrow don't, Burrow, Burrow needs Joe Mixon, mm-hmm. you know, but Lamar doesn't need J.K. Dobbins to, to be, you know, he run the ball 17 times a game anyway. You know, um, you know, Mahomes don't need, high, high, you know, Clyde Arrows hilarious. Like, they don't, as long as they, those are guys that could win a game for you just along with themselves. Tua, I don't know if he'll eventually get to that, but he will definitely need a back in order for him to reach his full potential because, I mean, the threat of the run game is huge. You still need it. You still need it. No matter who you are, no matter how good a quarterback you are, you still need that in your back pocket when you need to get those three yards in November in, you know, in Chicago, you're going to, you're going to have to lean on this guy. You're, you're yeah, going to have to make it work. You go to Lambeau Field, you're not going to throw the ball 40 times in, in mm-hmm. December or, you know, in November. You're not going to throw the ball 30 times in Lambeau. You're going to run the ball as much as humanly possible and throw it as less as human possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how you win those kind of games. That's why you need, that's why you need a, a nice back. You need a nice back. And I just don't think that teams that don't have a nice back, you're just not going to win it all. Two things about Tua that really still stand out to me from a New England perspective. One, he's the only lefty quarterback that they've faced in God knows how long, maybe since Tim Tebow. And then the other thing is he's never lost to Bill. He's 3-0 and against the Patriots over the course of his career. And that speaks to your point about him being a winner. You know, and it's yeah. not always the numbers are not always maybe where you want them to be, the personal numbers. 
but he comes out with a W. And look, quarterback wins, we can debate that. I'm not a huge fan of quarterback wins, but I, right. I don't think it's coincidental that he's never lost a bill. Right, right. No, I don't I don't think it's so neither. I, I think that he I think that tour works really hard. I think, like I said, I mean, he comes from he comes from Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't get no more NFL ready than that. Like, you know what I'm saying? All these guys, the receivers that come from Alabama. The quarterbacks that come from Bama, the running backs that come from Bama, the linebackers that come from Bama, the safeties. These guys are all NFL-ready guys, and they all get drafted in the first round. Like these are these are guys that you that you draft that that come ready to play. I don't have to sit you on the bench for two years. Mm-hmm. You're ready to play. Um, so you know they got a hand. They got a couple of those guys. They mixed in Tyreek Hill. You know they got Gasecki, who was a a really underrated tight end in this league. He's really underrated, but he's really good to me mm-hmm. um so you know you got all those pieces that that you can run and, and they just think that running back piece is just unnecessary but they will see slowly whenever they start saying okay well we only had 40 yards rushing this game we only had 50 yards rushing this game we only had you know and we threw three picks mm-hmm. something ain't adding up you know what i'm saying gotta so get that balance gotta, gotta get, get that, that balance. balance man you gotta get it one team that's continuing to work toward that balance, I think, is the New York Jets. And I feel like for the first time since 2008, 2009, there's a reason to be optimistic about the Jets. I'm not getting on board with them as a you know playoff team this year, but in the wake of their draft, some of the moves they made, it feels like they're starting to build something. They're starting to collect talent for the first time in a long time. The only question for me is, can they keep it together long enough before you know people want to blow it up and kind of move on to the next big thing right i'm with you they have they've, they've got some really good pieces sauce Quan, um you know obviously zach you know they got some really really good pieces over there and and i think they're making strides too i mean that's the only way that they're going to be able to be competitive in the afc east or even in the nfl they got to add the playmaking pieces they got to add the big fellas you know i think that's one thing that you that you again that's underrated you got to add the offensive line and you got to have, you got to have guys that's going to protect, you know, your, your franchise guy. So I think they're making a lot of good moves. I think they're doing a lot of things, right. Um, it just ain't going to happen overnight. You know, mm-hmm. they probably gonna have to take their lumps and bruises for the next couple of years to get, to be able to be competitive with the dolphins, with the Patriots, with the bills, you know, they're going to have to take their lumps for a couple of years. You know, Zach Wilson going to have to take his lumps, sauce, corn, but I do. I will tell you one thing: a, re, a underrated signing for those guys was Quan, because mm-hmm. Quan Alexander is a ball player, bro. He is a really good ball player. He came from that that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team full of ball players. Him, Levante, you know, Devin, like those. You know, he came from that group of guys that are still balling in Tampa right now. So. You know, he's a he's a great addition to that team. Man, you you got you a smart linebacker, you got you a big hitter. Speaking of big hits, I just seen him I just seen him lay somebody out on the jet on the Giants the other the day. Giants the other night, yeah. 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 You know, yeah. that's that's a if you get one of them a game, well that's a you know, that's changed the whole dynamic of your team. Like that changed <laughs> the dynamic, that changed the approach. And now you're getting some guys that's, you know, oh man, instead of being like, hey, bro, here we go again. You know, we play for the freaking Jets. You know, you get one of them them hits in, and it's like, okay, it's go time. At mm-hmm. least we got somebody out here that's trying to get it, you know? So before we wrap up here, I want to ask you, I want to have you play the role of proud dad and, and let me know about the other ball player in the family. You got 
Yeah, uh, man, got my little one, LB Jr. Uh, he's been, had a couple scrimmages in the last few weeks. Um, Saturday was his very first game uh, against, against you know, probably the top team in Tucson, Arizona. They came out, they played us. They played us pretty decent. Um, they played us well. We came out with Dub. Um, I think LB probably had like seven or eight or nine tackles at safety. So we got to fix some things because he should not have eight tackles at safety. But uh, he'll come down and hit. And he a little thing too, man. He ain't no big, huge. You know what I'm saying? You look at me, you're like, damn, bro, this one's probably huge. Man, he weighs probably 105 pounds. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's a, he's skinny, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, yeah, he came down here, he made about eight or nine tackles. He had about five or six catches, you know, and he had the game-winning touchdown catch with about 20 seconds left in the game. My my stud quarterback, who I called Tom Brady Jr., Tom mm-hmm. actually sent them a video telling them happy birthday and make sure you listen to your coaches and listen to your parents and get good grades. He sent them that um, Jackson Scully is his name. Him and they'll be our best friends, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And uh, so smart, um, smart. Pair up with the quarterback. Make friends you know with the quarterback. That's so, a good uh, move. Twenty-five seconds left. You know, and I let him. I let him get. You know, I got. I, I run the office, but I kind of let him get control sometimes. If he sees something, hey, do your thing. You know, what I'm saying we got signals for everything. And uh, we called the play back side with the trips, and it was nasty split lineup. And um, uh, he saw something in the defense that I obviously didn't see. And he put LB on a corner route that I do, and LB ran the corner. He was guarded by three guys. I don't know why he still threw it, but he still threw it. And LB caught it and scored the touchdown. So you know, it was it, it was it was one of those one of those no yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was one of those. Very moments. nice. Wait, so, so you're telling me though you're the offensive play caller for this team? Yes, sir. So yes. now we can we can throw you into the mix here if Joe Judge or Matt Patricia struggles with the uh, with the New England offense. Let's yes, import. Sir. Let's bring LG back. Hey man, I'm a I'm a. Hey, I don't know if they're gonna like the offense that I implement, but <laughs> considering the fact that we're on the Patriots roster, we're never gonna be the biggest or the you know the fastest. Or the strongest, so we gotta go fast mm-hmm. in order for us to win. We gotta mm-hmm. get them tired. We wanna know our team wanna know how to offense. We know how to I love it. 15 love seconds, it. 15 seconds in between plays. Like line up and go, line up and go, line up and go. And I wanted to show you the uh my dog touchdown catch, man. Well, send it to me. We'll we'll we'll, we'll put it at the end of the video. Send it to me and we'll put it at the end of the video. I'm gonna send it to you. It was a good play, man. I was I was I was excited for him. He was he was juiced up. We'll tell you what, keep me updated on that. Let me know some, some good news off at the very least offensively yes, next sir. week. And we'll talk more. We'll, we'll set the stage for the start of the regular season. Patriots dolphins Sunday at one next Sunday at one, not this Sunday one, but next yeah. Sunday at one, we'll have some actual real football to break down in next week's episode. Yeah. So I'm it's great. To, it. I love it. I love it. It's great to see you, man. And we'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Chris, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.